you know, we're singing about the lamb that was slain and his blood, his shed blood is the propitiation for our sins. That's quite a big uh, and theological word. We're going to look at that. Uh, and once we see what that means, I believe it will get you uh, excited about the lamb that was slain. And we ought to be excited because although it was a horrific thing for the Lord Jesus to suffer, Paul says he glories in the cross. We glory in the horrific because there on the cross the divine exchange took place that all that was dark and bad and wicked and negative about humanity was taken by the Lord Jesus on himself and he transferred his glory to us the glory of the risen Lord he transferred glory to us as he took our shame and that is what this is all about that is what the blood is all about because without that shedding of his blood there wouldn't have been any of that and so praise God we have that so we're looking in this series about this blood's for you the precious blood of Jesus um, and I will say this to you I am using um, this book um, as a guide a guy called Tommy Combs who is a friend of ours um, from Alabama and Tommy sometimes is on some of the Christian TV programs and this is a signed copy of him and Tommy has prayed for David um, and he's a, he's a family friend and he's a wonderful guy and he's seen miracles in his ministry he's actually raised the dead and his own testimony of healing a great guy um, and you, you'd like maybe one day we can have him come over he has been over um, in Glasgow so I'm using this book because you've got 39 stripes for your salvation, healing and more. So I'm going through these 39 stripes or 39 points about the precious blood. So we're up to um, point 10, I think. Yes, we're in point 11 now. And this blood is for our justification. So if we turn to... Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 for a verse that shows us this. And again, that's another big word. We'll explain what justification means. We did say that justification means that um, it's as, as, as if we'd never, just as if I'd never sinned. In fact, sorry, we looked at that one last week. Let's just look at it again because I've, I've directed you there. And we'll get through all these points here but we did look at justification but let's do so again because it doesn't do any harm to repeat repetition is the mother of learning isn't it so Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says that being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him justified means made righteous it means just as if we had never sinned to be taken from where we were a state of guilt and shame to a place of innocence. It's not that we, that we have never done anything wrong, but that God counts it. God reckons it as if we had never done anything wrong. And when that revelation gets deep inside you, then all the shame and the guilt and the power of that shame and guilt vanishes when you realise that God has justified you by the blood of Jesus. You didn't do it for yourself. 
You didn't do it by religious devotions or exercises or 25 Hail Marys and all that stuff. You know, 14 Our Fathers. You didn't do it by your religious works or your zeal. He did it by his precious blood on the cross. So this blood is for our justification, folks. So let's move on to the points that I've got for this week. And we have already seen in Hebrews chapter 13. So let's go back there. That's in our reading. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12, where it says, This blood is for our sanctification. Now I'm coming up with these names, folks, or these titles, these uh, things. Hebrew, uh, justification, sanctification, all these big names, propitiation. Well, I'm explaining to you what they mean. They're all connected. So this blood is for our sanctification. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 says, and we read it in our reading earlier, it says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate, or outside the gate. Okay? Outside the gate of the city. Okay, he was outside. And you know where Jesus was crucified... Um, was outside the dwelling. It was outside because he bore the shame and he bore the guilt and he bore our sins and the darkness and all of that and he did it outside just like they would uh, sacrifice the animals outside the camp. So he sanctified. What does that mean? Sanctify is a term that you hear about sanctification and being sanctified. What does it mean? Well, let, let me explain to you what it means. The word sanctification, it comes from a Greek word that means to be separate or set apart. Okay? We are set apart and separate people. And that's where that word holiness comes from. Holiness and sanctification are the same thing. We are sanctified, set apart for God's purpose. Now, you know, if you have um, a toolbox, okay, and in that toolbox you have tools, and they are set apart. You don't put your tools in with your kitchen utensils, because they're set apart for a different purpose, okay? Now, we handymen know this, okay? We, 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 we tradesmen, we know this, okay? So I didn't... I didn't put those blinds up so well using kitchen knives and forks and, you know, I used tools that were set apart. In fact, I bought some tools, okay? And, you know, I, I was saying this uh, to Agnes, you know, I bought a new power drill and everything, and the best tool I bought was actually a three-pound-odd screwdriver for B&Q, because that, that did the job as good as anything. But you have tools that are set apart, you have things that are set apart. You know, you don't put the oil for your car in the chip pan. Okay, because the oil for your car is set apart for the use of your car. And that's really what, what he's talking about here. He's saying that we as a people are set apart for a purpose. And that purpose is God's purpose. So we're a sanctified people. You know, we, we might have this idea that, oh, that... That means we're sort of religious, poor-faced, holy rollers people. No, it just means we're set apart. We have a reason and a purpose for being that we didn't have before we came to Christ. 
And that purpose is for the glory of God. So we find examples of this in the Old Testament. God sanctified the Sabbath as a day of rest. Now, I'm not a great Sabbatarian in that, you know, you, you can't, you know, cook on a Sunday and all that stuff, and you can't buy from a shop on a Sunday. But I agree with the Sabbath as a day of rest. We have lost what the Sabbath was, haven't we? We've lost the whole idea that it... See, it's not, it's not about thou shalt not, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you shouldn't be going to football. You know, I agree with that, that you shouldn't be having things like that in a, in a, a Sabbath. But the, the reason is more positive than for the negatives, because it should be a day set apart. I remember Sundays as a day set apart. Set apart for, you know, that's why I prefer to call it the Lord's Day rather than Sunday. Um, but you can get a wee bit religious about it, but I, I don't intend. But God sanctified the Sabbath as a day of rest in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. And in the wilderness, he set apart the tabernacle. It says in Exodus 29, There I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. You know, I remember a, a time when church was a sanctified place. And when you went to church, you knew you'd been in a different atmosphere and environment because it was church. It wasn't just, oh, well, you know, well, I was just going to church today. It was, there was a reverence. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you remember the days when you went to church and there was an atmosphere of reverence? Now, we, we hope to have that here. Amen. But there's a lot of places you go and it's just like going to, you know, almost like a nightclub. Or just, oh, hey man, you know, everybody's loose as a goose. And, you know, there's no reverence. It's reverence we need, folks. Now, we, ought, we carry the presence of God and we should be conscious of that. But we also should have a corporate atmosphere. That when we come in, there's a reverence. There's a holiness, there's a hushed awe, if you like. Not because we're all pious and holy, as in, you know, yes, you know, religious lies but because the presence of God is there. So let's, let's pray that for our gatherings, that we'll have that, that we'll know that we're set apart by his glory and for his glory. That's what church ought to be. So the moment you're born again, a process begins in you that separates you from your old life and conforms you to the image of God. And this establishes you on a path to fulfill his divine purpose. See, holiness, sanctification is all about God's purpose in us. Not about our own ideas of how church should be or life should be. It's his purpose that we're about, not our own. And so from here to eternity. Scripture tells us what the blood of Christ accomplishes. And that's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, where it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So we are sanctified by his blood and it's an ongoing process in our lives. It's not, we, we were made perfect by the blood, but we still have to live a life here in this uh, atmosphere of darkness sometimes. You know, there's a lot of places you can go, you feel the evil, don't you? You feel the darkness. Um, so we have to be kept sanctified by that, saved and separated. Um, and see, these are old-fashioned concepts in the modern church that we, we are to keep ourselves apart from the world. 
Now it's not about you know how long your your uh, skirt hem is and how long your hair is if you're a man and all that stuff. It's not about all that. It's about um, being separated for God's purpose. It's not rules and regulations. Um, so praise the Lord. So you quit doing the things you used to do when you're sanctified as a Christian. Um, and so God knew you couldn't live a righteous, holy life on your own. And that's why he sent his son Jesus, so we could be sanctified by Jesus' blood. So the blood is not just something that saved you and once for all cleansed you. It's something, it's, it's you live in it. Does that make sense? It's not, well, I've, I had a bath in 1989, so I don't need another bath. If that's how you are, then, you know, we've got a special seat for you. We'll get <laughs> up the back, out the road. You know, we shower every day, don't we? Well, we should. But you know what I mean? We, we keep ourselves clean by staying under the blood. Okay? So that's what sanctification means. To be under the blood. He suffered outside the gate. The crucifixion of Jesus did not take place inside the walls of Jerusalem or even at the altar of the temple where nearly all the other sacrifices were made. There is one sacrifice that was conducted outside the temple and away from the city and that was the sin offering. And this shows us how much sin was detested by the Almighty. Golgotha, which was known as the place of the skull, chosen by the Romans as the location for the crucifixion, was where the poor, the outcasts, and the unclean lepers lived. It was a, a place you wouldn't go to, you wouldn't visit. And so it doesn't matter what kind of a condition a man or woman exists in, uh, even if they live outside the gate. In other words, if, if their lives are broken by sin and misery and so on, Jesus will faithfully carry his blood-stained cross to find them. Amen. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. <laughs> I've just been notified that Rangers are winning a lot. <laughs> so there you are. Cause for rejoicing. Anyway, anyway. So, ah, hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Amen. But no, folks. The blood is for our sanctification. Isn't that wonderful? That we're set apart by that blood. The minute that blood touches your life, when you're born again, you're set apart for the purpose of God. Amen. And not just for a wee while, forever. Forever. Here in this life and in eternity. Amen. So it goes on. That's why it's called eternal life. It begins now. You don't get it. I've, I've got a dear friend and he keeps sending me the same message every month. It's a monthly thing. He sends me every month. I see it on the WhatsApp and I know what he's going to say. Are you looking forward to eternal life? That's the question he asks every month. And I say, no. I'm already in eternal life. I don't say that to him because I don't want to offend him. But, but that's what I say to myself. I'm not looking forward to it. I've already received it, folks. We started that eternal life when we received Jesus. Amen. So the next one is this blood is for our atonement. And if we turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 25, we'll see that atonement. There's another word. What does atonement mean? Well, 
Um, this is where the word propitiation comes in. And these words are easily explained. It's just they're big theological words. And sometimes when you hear them, you sort of switch off and think, well, that's theological talk. But if you persevere to the point where you see what they mean, they will thrill you. Sanctification, what does that mean? It means you're set apart. You're separate. Justification, what does that mean? Well, it's just as if I'd never sinned. You're made righteous in God's eyes by the blood. And this next one, of course, is atonement or propitiation. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. And we'll read it, and it says, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, what does that mean? It says this in the NIV, which explains it in modern English. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Propitiation means atonement. Okay? And it's the payment, the punishment that was required. The payment that was required, just like you had a debt that you owed to God, and that debt has been paid. It's atoned for. Okay? And it's his blood atones for all our sins. And it's by his blood. It's a payment made to satisfy God's demand, God's wrath even. God's demand for justice. We sinned against God. He demanded justice from us. And we could never pay that. And the blood of bulls and goats could never pay it. But he paid it on our behalf. And he settled our debt. He atoned. And, and here's another one that's good to think about when you think of the word atone. When you break it up, it says atone or at one. He made us one with him again. Just as in the beginning. And he made us at one with him. Or oneness. Unity. He united us again to his fellowship and his love. It's like being, if you've ever had a fallout in your family, hands up if you've ever had a fallout in your family. I've, <laughs> I could be here forever, okay? But it's when you have a, a family fallout and you're no, there's no unity, there's no oneness left. You know, I don't speak to them. I'm not having any day with them. Right, right. She, she, she said to me in 1993, well, I'm telling you, and so that oneness is broken. Am I right? Because families are united, aren't they? You know, when, when families are going right, they all stick together. And when, when, you know, anybody that comes against us come, kind of comes against my family. I'll, I'll be there, you know. But when that's broken, there's no oneness. But atonement comes and heals the division between us and God and makes us at one with him again. That's what atonement means, folks. So it's, it's for us. And if we turn, well, let's look at a couple of scriptures about atonement so that we get the picture. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, where we discover what atonement is all about. Leviticus 17, verse 11. 
and we'll see what it says there. Leviticus 7, the day, of, the day of Atonement. Verse 11 says this. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Now we've looked at this, but we're seeing it again. The life of the flesh is in the blood. That means that Jesus' life was in his blood. Why is that important? Because what it says here, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And that, that, that's, it, the actual word means about the mercy seat, uh, propitiation, the mercy seat, and where we are reconciled with him, where we are made at one with him, where his blood is displayed and presented, and any disunity, any offence, any unrighteousness, anything that would come between us and God is removed. And it's the blood that removes it. It's the blood that makes atonement for our souls. And another couple of scriptures, it says in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, it's so important to understand that this is the role of the blood of Jesus, folks. You know, have you been to Jesus? It's great to sing. Well, what does it mean? This is what it means. It means that his blood removes any obstacle between us and God. And not just temporarily or partially, completely and forever. So 1 John 1.10 means, says this. If we, uh, sorry, hold on. Let's go to 1 John 2, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of theology here, because you have Calvinism, which says that the blood was only shed for the saved, and you've got the Arminian side of things which says the blood is shed for everybody. But I'm reading the Bible and it says his blood is not just for our sacrifice and atonement, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, not everybody's going to avail themselves, are they? There are people in hell right now and people going to hell right now. And sadly, there are people going to hell that, will, that they would receive this sacrifice. And that's the sad thing, and that's why we should be praying, that's why we do pray constantly, that God will save people, that God will, his gospel will go forward, and people will hear it and respond to it, because he shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. So it's available to all. Now you say, oh, that's not Cal uh, Calvinistic. Who cares? His blood was shed for the sins of the whole world. In actual fact, I've got friends who will tell you that Calvin didn't preach what people say Calvin preached. Okay? Now, of course, if you're saved, you're the elect, you've availed yourselves of these things. His, and it says here, it says, his blood is not just for us. Not for ours only. Not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. So we've received it. But friends, it ought to break our hearts that there are people out there that are sitting watching Rangers beat Celtic or sitting watching, you know, 
antiques roadshow or whatever else or gardening world or whatever they show on a Sunday and they're not caring what's happening in this place they don't care that Jesus died for them and they're going to a lost eternity you know oh that's uh, you're preaching hellfire and brimstone yes and there ought to be a whole lot more of it folks in the churches not because we want to frighten people and not because we take some gory pleasure that people are going to hell the very opposite but these are real matters of life and death eternal life and and a lost eternity so the blood of Jesus isn't just oh well that's great we're washed in the blood we sing the songs we eat our breakfast and we have a good time folks these are solemn matters he gave his blood what more could he give so folks let's um, let's just bow our head right now and pray because I feel led by the Lord to do it Father we just come before you our hearts are solemn by this word to think that there are people out there we've prayed for them already but Lord we want to bring them before you again this morning that you would touch hearts out there particularly in this vicinity Lord of Gangad where people are bound by uh, popery father or by atheism or whatever it is or Lord, a false idea of Protestantism, whatever it is that binds people, let it be broken and let the people in this city of Glasgow, in particular this north side of the city, come to know you, we pray, and to know the preciousness of that wonderful, precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, what I'm going to do, folks, is this, there is another one I've got here to look at. But our time is running short, so we'll leave this next one for next week. We've only looked at uh, three, I think, today, but that's okay. The next one is, this blood is for our righteousness. Now, all these things are connected. They're all connected. And that sometimes just looking at the same thing in a different angle. But when you think about it, there's so much that this Bible has to say about the blood of Jesus and how precious it is. And we do ourselves a disservice if we do not study it you know, thoroughly. And I'm not just talking about this uh, series we're doing. Please look up some of these scriptures in your own time and understand. And that's why I'm sure you, we all enjoy singing these old uh, choruses and songs and hymns about the blood of Jesus. So let us continue to do so. Amen. <laughs>